So, I'm Theo. I'm a graduating psychology student at Rowan with a minor in philosophy and a concentration in psychology and applied behavior analysis. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I am an autism therapist with kids ages three to sixteen. I'm super into philosophy. Um, I work out. Now, this has my been my friend for. Best part of 15 years or so. Yeah, and growing up to know you, you weren't always interested in it, but you always grew up in the environment because your mom works in the field as well. Loosely, because she's in the school field. So it's like people like that. What's the correct term for this? Is this somebody that's special? So my, oh, autistic. Autistic. But you get special needs, yeah. My mom was actually, she was a sort of a paraprofessional in a classroom in Fisher for when I was, I think that was our first job in Ewing. Gotcha. Being a paraprofessional. That's a cool job. Yeah, so she had a class with um, maybe 10, 10 or 11 autistic kids. That's different a lot of work. Yeah, but she wasn't the head of the classroom. She was like an aide, a para, they call them. In gotcha. the school, it's a paraprofessional. Now, is that something you want to lean towards yourself or no? Because you've already had experience in the field, but it's a one-on-one. Yeah, well, a paraprofessional, they do not make that much money. Um, it's kind of like a base entry job. And I'm, it'd be, I'd be regressing if I was a para. Gotcha. If I, if I became a paraprofessional. Now, you and I talked a ton. This is a hard field. I mean, a lot of people think it's like, oh, it's such like a wholesome job, which it is 100%, but there's a lot of like hard work, a lot of stressful moments that people don't talk about. One of the things we talked about before is the burnout ratio of certain jobs, especially entry-level jobs. Has that affected you at all, or are you in a good place with your job? It's a good question. I think, just to get right to the point, I think it never will affect me because I'm so fascinated with human behavior and autistic behavior Mm -hmm. that... I don't think I'll ever get a burn. I'll I'll never burn out because there's so many populations to work with. There's so many different behaviors to work with. I'm really just getting started. I'm two years into the field. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever burn out, but I'm sure if I, 10 years from now and I look back, I'd feel stupid saying something like that because I've dealt with some weird, some weird ass behaviors in kids that, that pissed me off. <laughs> Then I'll be like, you know, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But, you know. Well, that's the whole term of work. I mean, you're going to have days where you're like, fuck, man. This is not what I planned on doing. But then there's days where you feel very fulfilling. You probably had kids that, like, did something really good socially. That made you just feel great. And you went home, you're like, fuck, yeah. Yeah. But as of now, obviously, you're still new to the field. There's a lot of places you can go in this field. What's Obviously, you're young as hell. You have a lot going for you. Is there a certain direction you want to go into, or are you letting the flow go? So I'm graduating on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Today's Sunday. I'm graduating on Tuesday. I finished my ABA concentration. So what that gives me is I have I have my undergrad in, in psychology, which is good. To, you know, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, which is a good thing to have for a job. But I also have a lot of experience in the field mm-hmm. with agencies that do in-home and, and clinical therapy. 
So I have a good skill set with me. I just want to figure out what type of schooling I want to have, whether I want to go to grad school, whether I want to do a PhD. All right, so this is what it is, right? I have a couple options. I could pursue the psychology shit, or I can totally disregard the psychology shit. I could also pursue philosophy and maybe be a professor in philosophy, but that that's my... I, I could either do academia or fucking social influencer, stock coin, Bitcoin investor, whatever, right? Or you could be field work. Or, or I could do... Like, where you're actually, like, in, like, the environment, you think? Or I could do field work. Yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. That's I, I, I treat that more with... Yeah, yeah. I could do field work. I could do missionary work or something like that where I'm in the environment doing things. You, we've talked before about, like, influencers, like, you, like doing YouTube and just being more open about this subject. Um, a lot of people are not well-educated when it comes to anything related to this field. Psychology? Or, psychology... Um, yeah. ABA is like to be like really specific. Is that something you want to start promoting? Obviously, you can do other shit with it, but yeah, are you gonna one day start your own channel or start posting stuff like on Instagram or anything? Yeah, my biggest okay. So applied behavior analysis is such a new, maybe like fifteen or twenty years old. Really, psychology goes back to ancient Greece. You mm-hmm. know. And and focusing on thoughts and feelings has probably gone back further than that. But thought, but you know, ABA is such a new field and it's so promising and it's growing, and a lot of people don't know about it. So I would love to be on the forefront of that, and I can be on the forefront of that in in the academia or in the field or doing research or teaching it. That's really my avenues, or I disband all of that throw all that stuff away and venture on for something else. That's what this summer is going to teach me, really. I, th- That's a good point. I think you'd be a good teacher because listening to you have conversations with people one-on-one about the subject, obviously you're interested and it takes up a lot of your life. So when you talk to new people, you explain what you do, but you're good at explaining it. So maybe a teaching route will be decent for you. I mean, yeah. obviously you can balance multiple things, like be a jack-of-all-trades. You can post on social media teach things if you want to go to the field you can go to the field so you can move around a lot yeah i it's really one thing i have to focus on right now do i want to be financially well do i want to be um emotionally well and comfortable do i want to try to find a balance in between because i could be very financially well if i get my phd mm-hmm but that's a lot of time. That's a lot of effort. And I really, there's so many, I'm thankful. A lot of the people, you know, we're graduating. A lot of people are scared of what's about to happen. I'm very thankful I have options. True. I have uh, options because of my curiosity and my, and my, you know, my experience. Like there's things I can do. I can, I can venture in different fields and, and you know, I, yeah, I can, I can, I can do. Th- I, can, I have ideas and shit where a lot of people have no idea what they're about to do when they graduate. You know. Yeah, I think you you could be a really good pioneer for this field. And yeah, I would love to start something that hasn't really been developed before in that field, and you'll definitely 
encounter like a lot of hiccups because you're doing something brand new. Yeah. But with that comes a lot of money and a lot of satisfaction emotionally because you're doing something that's other people are going to look at and want to do. Yeah. The biggest thing for me right now, honestly, and I really don't talk about this shit or haven't really expressed it. I, I, I've talked about it before, but I haven't expressed it correctly. I feel like right now, because I'm 21, I don't look like a professional. Like I'm 21 years old. I got tattoos. I, I got, you know, a nose piercing. Like, I feel like people in the field so far off aesthetics deem me a certain way. But once they talk to me, I feel like once they talk to me and find out what I have to say, they, they respect my knowledge. But I need to get better with my vocabulary. I need to get better with the way I hold myself because a lot of the field is credibility, right? And you got you to gotta be – people have to look at you. You're coming in to, to provide treatment for my son who's autistic and three years old. You got to look like – you're worth it. You know what I mean? You got to look like you're smart and you know what you're doing. And I think I do, but that's something I struggle with is coming to terms with how other people view me in the field. That's very, it's really hard finding identity yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, like I call it the corporate America effect where you have to act a certain way, perform a certain way to get to a place you want to be. Yeah. Yours is very personal because you're with families, but I think you having tattoos, like a nose piercing, stuff like that. If you have a family who is open to that stuff, they may be more welcoming to you because that may be more normal for the child to see. Yeah, and I think that's, especially with the male population, I've I've only worked with one female client. And I've worked with 20, 20 to 30 male clients. The only female client I've ever worked with was in the research lab. I have no experience with female clients. I feel like the field wants male male clients because a male can connect to another like a younger male better in the field but I always think it's like oh maybe they're like I'm just some dude like I couldn't handle like a three year old girl like I don't know it's it's different in the field and it's also hard to talk about because you're talking about kids and to Leon's people when you talk about kids they're like oh you know he's yeah like, I, I get it's a weird topic it's, you know it's but I you know well, how do the kids view you? Because I know you've been in, with some clients who connect to you emotionally. Yeah. Because you, you hang out with the kid for a few hours a day. You basically become a friend. Yeah. Now, is it like a father role or is it a big brother role? Or is it like they look at you like, oh, this is my friend Theo, and he comes by? I think it's therapist role. So they, know it's, they, know, they know I'm the therapist, yeah. Gotcha. Now, there was... Um, but it feels like an older brother. It feels like a father. Those things, it, they definitely feel like that. Maybe not so much father, more of like a guiding, a, like a therapist. You know, it's like I'm helping, I'm helping them. I know the who I know you may not be able to name the client because of HIPAA laws, yeah. but there was the one client that you were hanging out with um, over the summer, and you were at the pool in the pool like, yeah. at the camp and stuff yeah. with yeah. all the other people. Oh, a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. And that was harder for you because it was new. That was my first ever client. Yeah, so it held a special place because, like, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is cool. Yeah. Now that you've been doing this for a few years, had different clients, is it easier to put, like, the mental thing aside? Like, oh, this is over. Because you're with them, and you're basically, like, affecting somebody's childhood in a, a positive way for the rest of their lives. Like, you're setting them up for success. Yeah. 
So it's probably, like, for me personally, like, I would definitely be like, damn, like, I hope they're okay. Yeah, I definitely think, especially him, like, I'll think about him every once in a while. But honestly, it's not even that I have to keep a mental block. It's just, like, the fact that, I don't know, like, I did my job. It's more of a, it's more of a, did I do a good job? Because most of the times you could have always done, actually all the time you could have done a better job with a kid. Mm-hmm. You could have tried harder. You could have, it really used maximum effort. Sometimes I catch myself slacking at work a little bit like, okay, I, I did this goal. I, I, we set this goal today. That's it. I'm going to take it at that. I could keep going. You know, like, there's always those days. So my biggest challenge in the emotional aspect with clients is like, um, did I, did I, I didn't do the best I could have today. And he's not going to be functioning well in society because I didn't do a good job. Like, that's the type of shit I'll think about. Like, ah, it's my job to get him to speak in this way or behave in a certain way. And I failed. I think it's a healthy way to think about it, though. Because you're not yeah. getting complacent and your job's yeah. ever evolving because every day is, like, brand new, basically. Yeah. And the shit isn't easy, either. You yeah. know? I'm thankful because I'd like to think I'm good at it. But... I'm still new. I'm good. I'm very good with connecting with kids, but doing somebody else's treatment plan, I, I, I'm good at it, but I want to be able to write my, I want to be able to have the control over the treatment plan, implementing the treatment plan, the parents role in implementing the treatment plan. That's why I would like to become a BCBA, which is the person who a board certified behavior analyst analyst writes a treatment plan. That's what I want to do. That's my. That's one of the things that I would like to do, in the future for grad school, for maybe a doctoral school for BCBA. I think it's a good plan. You know what? A question I've always wanted to ask you, like even outside the podcast. So obviously, for me, you know, I had family issues in the past, and I would go to work the next day, but I'm alone in the field. So yeah. if I get emotional or I'm like, oh, I'm stressed, I can just deal with it by myself. If you have a like a personal problem outside of work. How does that affect you going to work that day? Because you're with that person and family the entire day. That's a good question. That's a good question. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to that because they have jobs and they have to go through the same shit. You want to know the reason why I love the feel I love my job so much is because no matter what problems I have I have in my in my real life, when I'm around a kid doing therapy, I'm so focused on the kid that I forget all about all that shit. That's good. You know, you're hanging out you're hanging around with a three year old. Like the shit is funny as fuck. It's it's fun it's funny to hang out with a three year old, you know? It's funny to hang out with a six year old, you know? T- typical or or autistic. It's they're j- kids are just quirky and funny and it's like their energy, you know, you're foc I'm 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 also at work so I'm focused on my job, but it makes it so much easier when you're working on essentially you're working on a three-year-old's behavior you're working on a on a living thing's behavior yeah because you can you can uh, you can not relate to it more but like it's fully encompassing like the feeling of like being around a kid for me at least it's like it's entertaining as fuck and i'm learning sorry i'm cursing you can curse i do all the time I'm learning from every kid I work with. Every single session I have, I learn from the kid, you know. And then I, and I'll st- periodically throughout the day, 
or throughout the session, I'll think of something, I'll think of an idea, but most of the time working with a kid, it's fully encompassing. So you don't have, you don't have the time to be thinking about other shit. Whereas if you're like a lifeguard, you know, all you got is time to think about shit. Yeah. Working in the field like you, like, like you're saying. See, that's that's good to hear because like that one, it's like almost like a meditation, like an escape in a way. Yeah. And I'm glad you think of it that way rather than, man, I have to go to work and deal with this. Sometimes I do. Very rarely I'm like, ah, I don't want to go to work today. But that's everybody with every job. You want to stay home and read a book or fucking watch a movie or, you know, indulge and go to the gym, like. The you know the work work messes up my gym flow sometimes. That's one thing you've always been athletic growing up. You and I played soccer growing up and all that, and you were on the lacrosse team at one point. Um, but you recently, not recently, you've been doing it for what eight months, working out heavy. About eight months. Yeah, and you start off calisthenics because we used to go on the canal and do yeah. pull ups, and then when gyms opened back up, you started working out. Now you are about an hour away from me, so I we we talk often about the gym. But how is that treating you and how you Good. developed? Because I haven't caught up with you in a while. I, I've definitely, my form has gotten better on, my form is progressive on every lift. I like the way my body looks right now. Um, I, t- in order to gain more muscle, I feel like I'm plateauing where in order to gain more muscle, I need to eat more. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the time to be stuffing my face with 3,000 calories or the money to be stuffing my face with 3,000, 4,000 calories, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nor do I want to. I don't want to gorge myself. I'd have no energy during the day. My metabolism so fast where I just, you know, if I eat, it's, it goes right through me. But I eat 2,000 calories a day, 2,500, and I maintain 165, you know? That's a good way. I mean, yeah, it's not bad. From where you were before. I was I mean, one fit. yeah, being 150, 145, like... You know, I've broadened. I've broadened my shoulders. I've. Well, you and I are polar opposites physically, because you're you're very tall and you were very skinny. Yeah. I'm very short and I was very fat. Yeah. So like now we're like meeting like the middle point. <laughs> so. Pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, and it's fun working out with you because you, it's people who work out with people definitely understand it's hard to get a connection. Oh, where definitely. You, where you can talk. And stay productive while working out. And push the person you're with. Yeah, because Definitely. sometimes when you're with somebody you really like, you just want to goof off in the gym. Yeah. And it's fun. It's a great time. But like you're like when you go home and you're alone, you're like, I don't think I worked out as hard as I could have. Yeah. It's also very easier. It's it's also better, not easier. It's better to work out with somebody who's stronger than you. Mm-hmm. Like you're stronger than me. And you have more knowledge of the gym than me. So it's like if I'm working out with you, not only am I getting a better workout, theoret- better, what is better, but I'm, I'm, getting a, I'm getting a more refined workout that's different than my regular, similar but different than my regular routine. And I'm also going harder because I'm using, the sim- I'm using similar weight, at, similar weight, I'm going up in weight and lost my train of thought. No, you were just you were describing your workouts about people being stronger than you and how that's important. And yeah. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, that's yeah. this is why you work out with Stephen Arnold, dude. Yeah. And Raul, like you need people to be on your ass. Yeah. Being held accountable for something yeah. makes you a thousand percent better, especially Fuck when they're yeah. better than you at something. Fuck yeah. Because Raul, 
isn't stronger than me weightlifting wise. No, but he's got more ambition than you. Yeah, and more mindset. <laughs> like that dude's on my ass. And yeah, he w- he wants it more. <laughs> just the, one of the most important things I can ever say to you guys is just because you can lift heavy does not mean you can fight. Nope. Because Raul, we've seen it. Raul will beat my ass. Yeah. So knowing if I go like, hey man, fuck off, and I, I will get knocked out. I'm picking that weight up. It's exactly. Going, it's going in the air and it's going back on the ground. Like, yeah. What are you gonna do? Like, yeah. <laughs> you gonna defend yourself? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the work. But with Stephen yeah. Arnold, I mean, he has all the jack of all trades. He's the strongest <laughs> guy I know. You can fight, but yeah, he's almost like a coach and a big brother role model. Yeah. So it's nice working out with him, and it's not personal when yeah. we're just me and him. It's strictly business, and I think that's important. Definitely. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also fun. It's it's also important to have fun while you're working out with somebody. Mm-hmm. It's actually all right. I've had great workouts where I'm not talking to the person I'm working out with. Actually, I've only had exp- the people I, I work out with you, and I have a gym friend at school who I work out with occasionally. Like I'll see him there, and we go at the same time. So I'll be like, "Oh, you hit chest," and like we'll hit we'll get chest, or or sometimes we'll even text each other and shit. And there will be times with him, like with you, I feel like, too, there will be times we work out where we're not talking, we're just working out. But yeah. there will be times where, you know, we'll make a joke. It's it's business. When you're working out, it's business. Like, you know, that's why I like it. I like, I'd rather work out with somebody than myself, 100%. Yeah. There's times, like, I like working out with somebody because they push me harder. But when we're quiet, listening to my favorite songs and yeah. lifting is just a great feeling. Yeah. I just I just started listening to like rock music when I lift, That's and I always listen to dude. I'll be listening to R and B and rap when I lift. Same, like uh, you know who Miguel is. Yeah, yeah. Dude, why are you trying to get in your bag when you lift? That's <laughs> I, it's it works. Dude, I have a that whole bag works. playlist of gym songs. Yeah, it's one that of the shit best works. Feelings ever. Cause I'm not upset. I like it's just like you're vibing. Uh, now you're vibing. Yeah. Something about and you're and you slow down, mm-hmm. you know you slow down when you're listening. The you could still bring the intensity because there's emotion in that, but you know you slow down and you really like feel contractions and shit, and like focus more. I yeah, don't know. and I think different it's, strokes for different folks. One of my favorite things ever is that like if I'm doing a very heavy lift and I take more times in between sets, I'll look around the gym and I'm not like like staring at people like judging yeah. them, but I look at them if they have headphones in. I'm like, well, what are they listening to? Because right now I have Bruno Mars playing, and yeah. I know everybody can relate. Oh yeah, like yeah, they yeah. probably have some weird. Like, yeah, I I think about that shit too, man. Like guilty like pleasure girls. songs. Yeah, girl, I know girls like girls are definitely listening to some weird shit. They yeah. listen to One Direction and like Justin Bieber and like the frat party music, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it makes you feel good. Like people who yeah. go whatever you different strokes. Yeah. I think it's one of my favorite parts of the gym. And it also has me thinking, one thing that I've been thinking about recently is you see the same people often yeah, at the gym. definitely. But then you see so many people in public and they don't work out. Now, we're yeah. not better than them, obviously. No. But do you think that, like, strength-wise, as a stat, are those the one percenters, so to speak, or no? Yeah. There's, there's, there's you know, genetic strength that you're just, like, a strong dude. Like, you're just a strong-ass dude. And then they, you work out. You could work out and be weak, you know? You could still be... You could work out and be weak, like... Yeah. But I you know. could be in the field, like, chopping wood, and, you know... 
well, that's what I learned, like, between, like, calisthenic strength, what, what I call practical strength and, like, physique strength. Yeah. So you can do workouts to make you look like you're big and strong. There can be a guy who's your height, 30 pounds less than you, strong as hell because he's just dense. And, but he has practical strength. He's out there chopping wood. He's laying concrete down. And he will be stronger than you in other areas that you probably wouldn't be able to catch up to. Yeah. Unless you did that. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, that, that's a good question, though. Is it the 1% of strength? Potentially. Something I think about. Because I'm like, I don't think I'm ever better than anybody. But I just, like, think around, like, I don't really see all, like that many new people in the gym. Yeah. And when you do... Nobody, like, it's not like everybody walks around going, who's that new guy or who's that new girl? But they do. <laughs> but, like, solo-wise, in your head, you're like, oh, that's a, oh, new, yeah. that's a new person in the gym. Dude, but if you're the guy that's new in the gym, you're thinking that, though. You're like, oh, man, these people, they know the regulars here. If they look like... But you shouldn't give a fuck. You shouldn't care. That's stupid. No. If they look like they work out, I'm just like, oh, like, they're here to work out. But if they're, like, somebody who's, like, out of shape yeah. and, they're, and they're working out... I just make sure, that one, they're not hurting themselves. Yeah. Other than that, I let them be. I don't judge them. Yeah. You're in the gym to better yourself. Yeah. Everybody, every, the function of going to the gym is, I would argue that most people are going to the gym to better themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? Or to relieve stress. Better yourself, and that, but that's bettering yourself. Yeah. Nobody's going to the gym to hurt themselves. Consciously, right? Because you go, you could fucking hurt. I, you yeah. know, there was a kid last week, and this is a good great example to finish this off. He's in high school, and he was bench pressing, and he was bench pressing very wrong. And how he was doing the movement for those of you watching the video is he poked his elbows out. Oh, so his shoulders were, and he was in a bad position, and he was going too heavy for himself, uh-huh. which is great to go heavy, but he was just doing it incorrectly. I should have better form, but he had to go lighter and weight, but his shoulders felt better. And he's a very tall person, and when you're tall, it's hard to get a decent bench rest. Yeah. So I was helping him out, and now he comes up to me, and he's cool with me. Because you have to come across people in a way where they know they're not going to be judged in a negative way. Yeah. And that's all that they care about. And then they, when they come, they feel comfortable. They're like, okay, this guy has my back. This is pretty cool. You just tell me when. That's good. Yeah. But yeah. You're the first guest I ever actually drank on the, the podcast with, because usually most people are like, oh, I'm in and out kind of thing. But yeah. You got That's time. So. All right. What do you got on the screen? Because you pulled something up. So. The Vitruvian Man. Mm-hmm. Here, let me exit out of this. Sorry. The Vitruvian Man, right? Leonardo da Vinci created the Vitruvian Man. You, when you brought up, um, when you're taller, it, um, it's harder to bench, right? Yeah. So basically, what the Vitruvian Man—it just made me think of this. What the Vitruvian Man is. Is a drawing of a of a man, right? And uh, um, anatomically correct male. But the reason it's in a square and a circle was because Leonardo da Vinci used this model to show what squaring a circle means in terms of 
finding pi. When you find, in ancient Greece and, and ancient societies, when they tried to calculate pi, what they did was square the circle, right? Now, real quick, are we going by degrees, like a circle is 360 degrees, or are we squaring that, or the physical shape? The shape. Okay. You're squaring the, I, I think it, I'm, I'm not the guy, but... I'm not the guy to answer too much. I don't know too much, but basically, he made this to show the anatomically correct positions of a male standing straight with his hands perpendicular to the ground in a T formation. That's the that's that'll always equal a perfect square, right? Those lengths. All right, I understand. And when the per when a when a male an anatomically correct perfect male, let's say. When they hold the pose in the X formation, outside of the straight-armed formation and the straight-leg formation, the same radius, the same circumference of that circle, uh, the square of the T pose fits into that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Let's see it right here. The square fits into the pose. So, well, I just learned something new. Obviously, that the drawing's super famous. Yeah. But why is that important though? It's just interesting. <laughs> so basically, well, I, at the it's time, it's just cool shit, you know. I agree. So I, I, I'm assuming when he did this, this was a groundbreaking kind of thing. Yeah, this was like it was like very, you know, it's the first time like an artist really used mathematics and showed it in a way of mathematics. Like Leonardo da Vinci was a, you know, crazy motherfucker, like, extraordinary, extraordinary artist and mind. I always yeah. wonder what when people like. History, people like this. What's it like to have a brain like that? You know what? It's an interesting question because I think everybody has a brain like that. Is it this yep. access points, or is it working to get to that level? I think every organism on this earth, every human organism on this earth, has a unique neuro, a uh, neuro neurological way of behaving i don't even want to actually fuck neurological behavior because i have a problem with the biological lens of viewing behavior but the the behavioral lens everybody everybody's just been conditioned on a blank slate basically to behave a certain way but it's everybody's everybody's still a human and has capacities for things it's just exercising that in the way that works for your organism is where it's going to show. Maybe they had a pattern-seeking repertoire that was stronger than others and found art. You know what I mean? So what makes some somebody like Elon Musk different from me? Because that guy is way smarter than me. And not just yeah. in one field, though. It's okay, overall basis. Like, if you took like a circular statue of like what a human can do, yeah, he's just way more expanded than I am. So, and let me ask you this question. What is the definition? Is the definition of smarter that graph you pose? You know what I mean. Not the graph I pose. What makes the definition of smarter is me knowing what I know and then comparing it to what he knows and then seeing that. At an overall level. Yeah, as an overall level, that he can explain things and know things way further than I can. You think he's stronger than you? Physically, no. You but think he knows more about the gym than you. I think he could know more than Jim with me in a very if short he applied it if he applied it. Okay, but that's, a thing. that's a good he, distinction. But he because that is that assumed 
that adds to what his smart is. You know, that, that proves the argument for his smart. Mm-hmm. It's his ability to acquire a skill faster than you. One thing people don't know about me is, is I'm very into astrophysics. And people say, oh, like astrology, like zodiac signs. I don't really care about that kind of stuff. But I care about the actual math and what's out there in space. Okay. Like, you know how people make fun of, like, the free thinker thing? Like, oh, like, what if there's aliens? Let me ask you a question. Do you think Elon Musk is smarter than you? Yes. Why? Because he can explain things that I don't know to a higher degree level. He can create things that I couldn't begin to create and I couldn't explain, almost to a form of magic. Like, if you... You know what a Tesla is? Yeah. It's an electric-powered car. Okay. But if you sat me in a room with all the supplies in the world, I would not be able to create that in the amount of time that he did. So would you agree with this definition? You know what? What is the definition of smart? That's a great question. Because we need to... Okay. Having smart, adjective. Having or showing a high degree of mental ability. So, if you're saying somebody is smarter, their mental ability is better than yours. Mm-hmm. Or it's more it's more utilized and it's more it's stronger than yours, right? So would you would you say that his is is in that context more than yours? Yes. Now, but you don't know him. You know what he's accomplished. Yeah. You don't but, know how he thinks either. No, but I've gotten the privilege to listen to a long-form conversation. And don't get me wrong, this motherfucker is genius. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, though. You make a good point. Is When he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, he was on there three times so far, when he was asked by Joe Rogan, like, what do you think about how does your brain work? And he basically just summarized the ideas in his head are a bunch of explosions going off and he can never stop it. And then... Joe Rogan asks again, like, what's it like to be you? And he goes, you wouldn't want to be me. And that resonated because I'm like, what is it like to be him? Because everybody feels sad. Everybody feels depressed. But like, he's thinking of shit that we would probably never think about. But do you think about shit nobody else would think about? Yes, until you really get to talk to people. When you have the chance to talk to somebody for like a podcast for a long time, you realize that people aren't that much different from you. Yeah, so why are you juxtaposing him against you? Because he's way more unique in certain fields than I am. So okay, that's that's really what makes him different from me in the long term. Is that you don't he, think you could be? N- maybe, but not in the time. He's v- way more productive. How old is he? Late 40s? That's just a great question. I'll, I'll look that up as you talk. I just got to keep this open. <laughs> you got to have a Jamie, you know? Yeah. Get Noah to be your Jamie. <laughs> Uh, he's 49, so I was about to say 48. Okay, let me ask you a question. How old are you? 22. Okay. Would you assume? Would you agree that the his the age component of him would make it hard to juxtapose him versus you? And juxtapose means just put against, like versus. So it, I juxtapose. Yeah, you can. Yeah, but there's so many things that are different, and that's what makes everybody unique is that yeah. your circumstances, how you're brought up, and how you're doing things is different. I yeah. don't see myself different than any other person. The only thing I have better or advantage for versus anybody in the world is I'm consistent. Okay. That's what I told you. Is, you that, a, is that a form of intelligence? Yes. Consistency? Yes. Like discipline I would agree. And yeah. consistency is a form of intelligence. I think 
I'm posing this. Everybody has a unique form of intelligence. When you take that, right, the unique form of intelligence that everybody has, you take a society that everybody lives in, right? Let's say the th out of the five, the five forms of intelligence you could possibly have, just making for numbers sake, mm -hmm. out of the five, everybody's got a different intelligence but a five, right? Let's say it's creativity, um, fucking making money and being attractive, right? Whatever. The society you, the society you live in favors creativity, being attractive, and money, right? So those creative outlets or that, that skill set you have or that knowledge you have automatically works in that society. But what doesn't work is the other two that are over here, you know? Mm -hmm. Who's to say that this knowledge is more powerful than this knowledge when it's all a form of knowledge? If you look at a kid... Okay, great example. Right? This is a good thought experiment, too. I've worked with a kid before. Two kids I'm going to pose. I met one kid who he would ask you what your birthday was. You tell him the, the date and he'd tell you the day of the week that that birthday is on. And he could do that? Yeah. In the matter of seconds. Right? You say your birthday. I told him my birthday July 29th, 1999. He's like, Thursday. The hell? And I looked the shit up and it was on Thursday. Another kid I've I've worked with was a okay. Before I get into that, this kid, right, the kid I just mentioned, the the um, the guy who's good with birthdays, his he has no social skills. He's practically nonverbal. He doesn't make any eye contact. You wouldn't expect he's smart, right? Mm -hmm. But why the fuck do you know how to do that shit, right? What is that? There's we can all agree that there's some intelligence there. You know, but it might not look like intelligent if you looked at it on everything that el everything else you measure. Remember the the, the situation I gave with the, the the knowledge in the society that fits it. Yeah, am I rambling? No, you make a good point. You have me thinking because he has intelligence is specified to yes. a certain field. People relate that to the movie The Brain Man. Yeah, how he counts toothpicks. Exactly. So that's what everybody defaults to. Yeah. But, <laughs> I have a question for you. I'll bring context to everybody listening. Who, who we call Crazy Dave, which yes. is a horrible name. Horrible. But he's not really crazy. He's just, I think he's misinterpreted. But yeah. depending on who listens to that, we'll have a different opinion. Well, he's very easily to, he he's interpretable because he stands outside um, doing the Nazi pose. And that's not okay. <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> that's not like something you should do. Yeah. But... Well, I want to play like the opposite side from you. Yeah. How is he intelligent? I mean, you don't know what. It's a good question. Because you have to get to know him. Well, that's 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 true. That's where I would start off with with answering that. I don't know much about him, but I don't want to discount the fact that there could be because of his behaviors that he shows. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There could be something. There could be a fucking gem in there, dude. Think about it. Think about it like this, right? Just thought experiment-wise. Have you ever seen anybody do something like that? No. And the what does that say about him? Does that say he's stupid? Or is that how we're reading it because of the society that we're in? 
And that, that, that sounds like we live in a society, but th- well, think about it. Well, we got rid of it. I mean, people who do that salute thing are... Yeah. We, we took care of them 70 years ago. Yeah, like, so we deemed them to be stupid. Yeah. But look at it like this. What if it's stupid to be status quo? Just thought experiment-wise. I obviously have my own opinions. Obviously, it's yeah. stupid to be fucking outside doing like this. You would say, Obviously, you would call that some person like... Like, you would think less of them. You would put yourself higher than them on the stupid scale. On the smart scale. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I also think it's important that we have people like him. Because when we view that and we understand what's right and wrong, it kind of gives us like a leveling out person. Definitely. So that also protects the thing that nobody's valueless. Because he provides value to the ordinary person, so to speak. Well, that's a very good point, too. I'm very... I'm very empathetic to people. Mm-hmm. I take everybody. Nobody's better than everybody. Every human being. And I would maybe not. I don't want to get into the other forms of life like fucking pigs and dogs and shit and like fish and birds and ants and flowers. I'm talking about humans. Every human is on the same playing field. Or is or is this the case? Because what if there's a natural order of things? What if we're in a simulation? What if? What if we're in some sort of things where characteristics are favorable, therefore they're better. Therefore they're more on a hierarchy. Like, maybe in theory there is the best person. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's subjective. It's a stupid argument. Everything. It's all subjective. But that's something I, I just don't know enough about the answer. Oh, uh, yeah. You know something I, you're probably the best person I could talk to about? Do you believe that humans, because internet, every, literally everything, I don't have to go over it, do you think that there's a hive mind? A hive mentality? Yeah. Horde mentality? Wait, what is it? I think it's like a... Um, hold on. So to speak, I'll ask the question, do you think what we're doing here reaches... Because I have people and subscribers who are in the Middle East who are in Asia, who are in South yeah. America, and they're reaching them, and they understand English. They know what I'm saying. Dude, I'm... A, I, I, okay, go ahead. So my influence is reaching them in a certain way. Now, do you think that that's going to relate to somebody else, so to speak? Every, basically, everybody's intertwined in... you think a certain way? Because that's how trends are started. So, okay. And just, while you were saying that, I also looked up something that I did not want to find yet. Okay bullshit so you raise a good point basically what that made me think of the hive mentality right think about it like this there's a book called the sixth extinction where it goes over um all the epochs of extinctions and all the periods of extinctions six of them to be exact mm-hmm. hence the book actually five extinctions where the six where the sixth right uh, we're we're going through an extinction. Great book. I recommend I recommend reading the book. Sixth Extinction. I don't know the author off the top of my head, but the thing the author poses in it is something called the New Pangaea, right? Where everybody is interconnected in today's society by social media, travel, commerce, trade. All the continents are connected. You can go to Africa in a week if you wanted to. You could probably do it less. Not a person to be asking about flight knowledge. But you could go to Texas if you wanted to. You can fucking go to South America if you wanted to tomorrow. You know, you could you could tech you could call somebody right now that lives in Antarctica. 
and be on the same time level. Uh, exactly. Like, you're talking to this motherfucker. The point being is, of course, we live in a, in a hive mentality. Like, that's just the broad sense of it. But everybody's interconnected and everybody has... Everybody has the same conditioning on a base level, I feel like. Because in a society. Yeah. Because you know right or wrong from the general public. You live in a society, you're conditioned by that society, obviously. You know? So, me and you, we're more alike than me and some other person just because of the society we've been conditioned in. It's also... A, Potentially. But, like, theoretically, I'm speaking. Cultures and traditions have a big effect on it. Like, we're participants yeah, of course. in certain cultures that we belong to. Like, you're Greek, but you're also Italian, so we take part in certain traditions. Yeah. Uh, but you also celebrate Orthodox Easter and Christmas because you're yeah. Greek side. So... Yeah. You know what's interesting to think about too? Think about this. If you're uh if you're human like human nature, human nature probably acts in, as a hive mentality in a way too because there's driving factors for everything. There's like you know, everybody probably behaves similarly because of human nature. Mhm. It's a good way. Sorry, I, I know you went on the the ethnic topic. No, but you maybe I the one thing I want to like bring up is human nature and things like that. Do you think a common enemy could, like, fix most of the problems? Because of how we were raised? A common enemy? Think about it. What do you mean? I'm using World War II, which I'm not educated enough to talk about. Oh, okay. I get your... I I thought you meant common enemy interpersonally, like, you and this motherfucker hate each other and you see each other at the gym. No, 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 you're talking about, like, high mentality. Oh, yeah, like aliens? Yeah, like if an alien came down... COVID? COVID. Well, COVID was a bad example because now... We are used to going, like, at first, everybody's like, let's work together and beat this thing. And then once we realized we couldn't beat it right away, and shit was hitting the fan, everybody was just like, okay, I'm worried about my family, then we'll worry about other shit. And that's when things got really bad. We had social issues, economic issues, and things are going downhill. I'm talking, we still have that going on now. Yeah, yeah, Nothing's changing, really. But if an alien ship came down, us in China aren't going to go... I'm not giving you steel this month. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah, getting yeah. our guns. We're like, what's up? <laughs> like, yeah, we're fuck these problem. aliens. Yeah, we're causing a problem. Yeah, I think a common enemy. Yeah, but then... I I think I think a common enemy is great. Yeah, fucking the whole book 1984 is about that, you know? It's about the fucking... The... The society... Or the new America... or the I don't know what they call it in 1984, but they basically have war with Oceania. Oceania. So, it's just like, and they're like, it's a fake war, right? And they're they're like, the people are like, yeah, we won the war, like, let's all be happy about our situations right now, even though we're living in a totalitarian society, like, let's all still be happy about this shit because we won the war, you know, we're all, we're, we're American, we're American, or we're Oceania, you know, shit like that. Tangent. Yeah, that's that's an excellent book. Great book. Yeah, it's definitely one of the top fives. Every, some great books out there, man. Some great dystopian novels out there. You know, this is really changing the subject, but you have a roommate named Motown. Yeah. For a guy. Stand-up guy. So <laughs> Stand-up dude. You guys did something that I thought was really cool. I think about this fairly often because I don't have a friend like this. You guys basically have a book club. But you don't read the same books. You read your what you're interested <laughs> in, but you talk about it. Yeah. I wish I had a friend like that. Now, yeah. me and you could do that, but we don't live together, so it's not really the same. Yeah. First off, shout out Motown. 
Yeah. It's my fucking guy. This is my boy. This is my roommate, too. But, dude, you... If you... Motown's probably the only person I do it with, though. I, I mean, like, you know, we can, we have the capacity to do it. We do it amongst other things. Like, I'm sure we talked about a book. But, like, we talk about podcasts and shit, right? That's another form of acquiring knowledge that... But, yeah, Motown... Me and Motown were reading... Um, or are we just reading Brave New World by Aldous Huxley mm-hmm. and we were talking about this shit you know that's my my biggest thing recently has been surround yourself with people that you want that will benefit just literally the opposite of if you start to hang around shit if you hang around shit you start to stink right yeah. if you hang around good people you, or if you hang around smart people you start to get smart you that, know what you say on Instagram today what was that do you actually it's um last name is Munger, he's a famous investor, but he has a famous quote saying, Show me who your friends are. Yeah. And I'll show Oh, you did I send you that shit, right? I yeah. sent you that shit. But it's hundred percent correct. Who you Dude, and there was a reason I sent you that shit because I already knew hundred percent. You know, I didn't we didn't have to talk, but at this point That's what I know, dude. That's why I sent it to you. Press. Of course. <laughs> but it's it's a hundred percent the truth though. It's yeah. it's a great it, fast yo. That's it. Yeah, I forgot to send you that shit. Yeah. There's a TikTok. It's so corny, dude. It's of Elon crying, but it's like the knowing you have to separate yourself from people to in yeah. order to be successful. Yeah. It's just the way how it's how life goes. It's everybody. But the thing is, that. too, you don't have to if your circle. definition if if your well yeah if your circle's good, but if you if your definition of together is the opposite of separate right you don't have to separate yourself if your definition of together is separated for long periods of time you know what i mean mm-hmm. like, like i don't have to see like if you just know that you're good with somebody and you guys both are doing things that are like you know benefiting yourselves there's no reason to assume that you're not still connected with this person you know yeah. But it becomes a problem when this person always wants to go to the bar on the weekend. Which is, I'm not saying anybody. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just talking about, like, somebody that doesn't want to do anything. Unless you're going to the bar and having, like, a fucking great civil conversation about some shit that matters, you know? But if you're going to get, if if you just have a friend that's just trying to get drunk and trying to just, like, kill time and, like, He's like, oh man, life, you know, we only live once, so let's just have fun right now. That shit is stupid. Because you have to be, you have to be successful. You have to be, you have to make money in this world. You, you, and you have to find a passion and, st- and, and do something with that. Because if you don't, you're just living on the outskirts of society. And you just, you're not doing anything for yourself. There's so, it's like we're living in a fucking video game, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. At the same time, have fun, but don't. But life isn't living a hedonistic lifestyle, which is just focusing solely on pleasure. Is not the way to live, according to the Buddhists, right? And the and and Hindu religion, like you know, I'm just taking. Well, they say like being at the top is lonely, and it's true. Yeah. But to go further on that point, because it's a cliche. Yeah. All my friends who are really successful are busy in a unique way, so our schedules never line up. 
Yeah. So you're often alone doing this path. Like when I make YouTube videos, oh yeah, I don't have my friends here to cheer me on. Dude, but that's that, not necessary. Yeah, but guess what? That's why these are so fucking good because if I'm like, oh man, like let me talk to, let me give call Joe a call. Like I probably call you like what every like every three days maybe. <laughs> yeah, and so we sometimes we talk for twenty minutes or five yeah. minutes. But you and yeah. I have a, a weird way of talking because we know each other so well. Where we can literally just go, all right. And we just yeah. know to hang up, and it's like yeah. that's literally it. Yeah. But it's a uh, it's different. There's a lot of I've been doing a lot of thinking on this stuff. It's a hard subject. Yeah. What? I, it, what? As coming to success and who I want to include. My oh, biggest yeah. thing is is I don't really want anything with my money. If I become rich, I want to give it to the people I like. Yeah. But if I cut people off to be successful, I have nobody to give my money to. The best advice I can give you, because this is how I've been thinking about it. Focus on yourself. And the people that are still around that you don't have to put into effort, effort into, enough that you're uncomfortable with. You know, obviously you, you put in effort when you enjoy somebody's company. You're like trying to call them. If it's effortless and you're you're comfortable with it, and they're still around while you're being successful, like going with the flow. You know, mm-hmm. just like whatever happens happens, but don't be like, if because it's different with friends. You can't be strategic. You just are you. That's stupid to say. That's black and white. You obviously have to be strategic, but like, sorry. I follow you. If like, you know, if all right, if you have a friend who is, you've been lifelong friends, right? You this is like, your fucking magnum opus. Magnum opus. This is your day one, like, but then your day one starts to say like, oh, you know. I don't, I want to, let's just go out, let's go out and get fucked up tonight, like, come on, man, fuck your job tomorrow, just call out, right, and maybe you do it that time, right, whatever, the second time, he's like, man, fuck, you know, you fuck, you, just don't go to work tomorrow, and then you're like, nah, man, I have to go to work, and then he's like, ah, oh, man, that's kind of some pussy shit, like, why are you working for corporate America, like, let's say yeah. he just says some shit like that, then you have to know, like, okay, don't need to be hanging out with this person anymore. If they feel some type of way about that, then they're gone for you know. Then they're gone until they want to come back because that's a reasonable reason not to want to be around somebody. Yeah. You know. And I got your point though. The people who are worth it will be there. Yeah. Sorry, I went on a tangent. No, but I wanted you to explain your thought because you had you were going to a good place. So I just wanted you to get like the full thought out. Yeah, I dude, I was squeezing that shit out. (laughs) (laughs) So. So, there's a couple things I would like to talk about. Our friend Tyshawn's anniversary is coming up mm-hmm. May 16th, which is next Sunday. I'd like to talk about you, you know. So, we can address that, and then we can talk about yourself for the last segment. I'm cool with that. So, for context, we have a friend in Tyshawn who grew up with us. Um... How we came about is that we both moved to the same neighborhood and like first day of first grade we went to new school we're like let's just stick together yeah and then i mean you were on my bus we all became friends and like long years later we were all really good friends he got cancer fought it for many years and then sally passed away when he was 16. yeah or 15. he was a year older than us so he was 16. yeah damn he was 16 that's crazy yeah but i was, was 14. You were 15. 
Was he and he's a year older than I think he might. Be, I gotta I gotta look back. I don't want to get that wrong. But he was in very 2014. Young. I was in 2014. Yeah, I was 14. So he was 15. Because my birthday. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was well, gonna say some bullshit. Well, your birthday's younger. So if you were 14, I was 15. But he was always older than me because his birthday was on Christmas. Oh, so, so he was like 15. So, oh, yeah. So, so he did he stay back? He didn't stay back. He started a year late. Yeah. Which a lot of kids did. So that's why we had like a lot of people that were older than us, like Noah. Yeah. And Noah was purposely held back because of him. It was a bad example. But there are people like that in the grade. But that was because he switched schools and areas. So it was like an overlap time. Yeah. Noah was, yeah. Fucking Noah. Yeah, we do. We, we, we had some cool people growing up. Like, I definitely cherish every one of the, pe- the people that we grew up with. Yeah. Anybody from Ty Williams, Khalil to like, you know, all everybody like they're all. Our it friend, all made us who we are today. Our friend group's diversity was cool because yeah. we were cool with everybody. Today I talked to Ben Cooker about it, and he's like, "The one reason I like you is because like when I was like fat and nerdy, you never treated me different." Oh yeah. But I'm just who I am around everybody. I can't be weird or different around you because yeah. people immediately notice like why are you acting like that. That's why Sean Lin was like, yo, I f- when I hung out with Sean Lin, he was like, yo, I, f- I fuck with you because everybody bullied me in high school, but you always were, like, cool with me. All your friends bullied me, but you didn't. Yeah. Dude, nobody's you're, nobody's fat shaming. If you're fat shaming somebody you're not cool with, that's fucked up. Yeah. Well, you're the one Which is a great segue. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that fat shamed me into losing weight. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about it. I mean, the stories we told in the podcast before, so the listeners know. I'll ask you. I'll ask you some questions, right? So, I mean, we could just go with the flow with this. You're a very. Uh, you're a. Hmm, how do I put this in a in a great analogy? You are a. You're a book. That there's a lot in the book if you just open the pages. Yeah. Maybe the book looks like looks like a regular book. You know, on the outside, the book looks like a regular book. Maybe deliberate deliberately or just coincidentally, it looks like an, a normal book. But if you open the pages, there's some shit in those pages. Yeah. Or that you know, or just like every you know, everybody really everybody's got shit in their pages, but like. You're very, you, you got some unique pages, you know? I was about to say that. I've been through some unique experiences that most people haven't been through. Yeah. And that's not a bragging point, because a lot no. of them are negative. But, <laughs> but I came out. But it's worth point. noting. It's worth noting. And um, one thing I'll say, I wouldn't want to do it any other way. Yeah, of I've course. Been through it. If I went back and just like, oh, we didn't happen, it wouldn't be worth it. Well, you'd be a whole different person. Yeah. That's just, that's, you know, it's even absurd to, to uh, to um elaborate on you know but um yeah i uh definitely was fat shaming you at a young age because you deserved it and <laughs> you were a fat motherfucker and like no if I, whatever i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna preface it that's but, how you and i talk though that's yeah for me and you that's but, normal you know you were you were chunky like you needed to lose some weight <laughs> like and it was but the thing was i feel like it's easy when you're that weight because you're the funny guy Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, look at me! Like it's it's very comfortable. Yeah. It's like I don't have to worry about my body because I'm already here. Like I'm fucking. Everybody knows me as the fat guy. Like I take my shirt off at the party. Like 
being the fat guy, there's hella confidence in it, overtly. And then when you get home, who's laughing, right? The, the walls are laughing at you. Yeah, and you were the only friend that really knew it to me. So once yeah. you did it and I realized it, I was like, oh, it's like I got all this weight. And I yeah. just lost the weight. But, dude, if you're 21 bullying somebody, people don't take it. They don't take it good. No. Like, you can't. Like, I've given some people advice in the past who are my age and older. It's like you're talking, like, it's like you're coming at somebody's personality when you try to give some advice. Well, when you, the age we were at was a good age to do it because yeah. at that point, your friend group really raises you to be who you are. Like, yeah. you really notice who friend groups at that age, who they grew up to be. All of them are pretty damn similar. Yeah. Yeah. I think me and Nesta are pretty similar. I think me and you are pretty similar. Everybody in unique ways. Like, me and McGuire are pretty similar, like... But then again, I meet people from everywhere, and I'm like, oh, me and this person are kind of similar. Like, mm-hmm. but they, the pe- the friends I meet outside of Ewing, are the people that remind me of my Ewing friends. Yeah. Everybody I met at Rowan would fit in with our friends at our friends from back home. Like Motown is a great example. Motown would fit in perfectly with. Yeah, the first time I hung out with Motown, we just hung out like we were together for years. Yeah, the reason I liked Motown was because. Motown reminded me of Ty Atkins. Yeah, that's, that's a good the example. that's the reason. I swear I've noticed this. This this is the that's why I gravitated towards Motown like at parties and shit. He reminded me of Ty Atkins, and I've told him this. Yeah, well, both of them are really fun at parties though. Yeah, dude, Motown's a great dude, man. I really, I really, I really love that motherfucker. He, because I've been living with him the last two years. You know, mm-hmm. it's been interesting. But, yeah. Ty, Ty, I love too. Ty's, Ty's a phenomenal human being. He's on the right path. That's all I yeah. need to see. Yeah. But I'm at the point now where I'm not going to go into his life. Oh yeah. See, I'm a part of his life. Well, I'm you, a part of Ty's life. That's you have a good place to be in his life. If I hit him up now, it wouldn't be the same. Like we're at the point where maybe maybe we'll, we'll come across paths again, but it'll happen organically. Definitely, it won't yeah. be because me us hitting each other up. Yeah, and I, it will be like that, and we'll, then we'll build the relationship again. Yeah, but there's him and I easily know there's no hard feelings back and forth. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. Like, if we saw each other at the mall tomorrow, we'd hug. Yeah, dude, he's a great person. He wouldn't hurt a fly, man. And I feel like like him. You know, him, you, like, I'll call you guys all the time. Like, I'll call McGuire a lot. I'll call, who do I call? My mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You guys are like people I call on the phone, like, you know. I call Steve sometimes. He's a good time. I, I call McGuire. I don't know if I mentioned McGuire. I'll call McGuire sometimes. Yeah. Well, me and McGuire talked often, but... Steve. I fucking love McGuire too. And if he's listening, like <laughs> McGuire, you're a dope person. He listens at weird times, like 4 a.m. when he's like on Dota and stuff. Like, oh yeah, he's, like, so he's active. <laughs> that whole Discord group of people will play my videos at the most random time. I think it's the funniest thing ever. This motherfucker's active. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see you. Yeah, it's funny as hell when they do that. Cause like Lewis is in my car and he's just playing my videos like on loop, but yeah. like like remixing and shit. It was funny. But I will tell you, I'm fascinated by the topic of psychology. Well, I noticed that because it seemed like the moment you went to college, I make the joke about you where you're like, perhaps. To like yeah. everything. But that's perhaps. the stereotype to psychology majors. But 
as we talk, there's a, I guess there's a question asked. I know you psychoanalyze a group, which is basically like mentally observing who acts in a certain behavior and why they do that. And yeah. one question I have to ask is, is what do you see in the friend group and yourself? What do I see in the friend group and myself? The reason I ask is because a lot of the friends have already been on the podcast, so repeating listeners will understand who we're talking mm-hmm. about. I think we're all each individuals. I view everybody as an individual. I view everybody as like, this person is this, this person is this. I don't really view us as a collective. I think we're all, because like, I don't view it as a friend group. I mean, if you look at it objectively, it is a friend group. Like, there's a group that always is around, you know? Yeah. But I view it more of as like, everybody is just like a unique piece of a puzzle. Because we fuck with other people and shit. And like, we all live completely different lives, you know? So you think it's like singular friendships that get along with other friendships? Yeah. And then when the friendships co coexist, everybody's like, like I'm friends with Nestor. I'm also friends with McGuire. I'm friends with you. I'm friends with Lewis. I'm friends with Reese. Like friends with Steve. Friends with Nestor. I'm fr- I'm, I'm friends with Travis, Ty. You know, like the list goes on. That's true. But, and you're also friend. You're friends with Reese. You're friends with Joe. Or you're friends with Nestor. You're friends with Lewis. You're friends with McGuire. That's true. Because like if me, you, and Nestor are in a car, there's a different vibe versus if it's exactly. you, Steve, and McGuire. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's like a unique, it's like everybody's energy plays off each other in a unique way. And when you add all, it's like chemistry. You know, everybody's a unique element. When you add these five elements together, it's an amazing night. When you add, when you add this one element, like it's a different night, you know, that's how I view it. But I view everybody as like similar though. Like I definitely view us as something. So when you... I guess that the friend group will expand as like a populace of this estate who we live, like where we live, everything like that. When you psychoanalyze people, is there a reoccurring theme you see? Yeah. One thing I see is um, excessive phone use in public for no apparent reason. The reason I pose, and I should really study, I would love to study this or, or do research on it or something. The phone use in public functions in two ways one the practical use you're on your phone because somebody just texted you you're on the phone because somebody's calling you right now you're checking an email for a necessity not for leisure you're you're doing something necessary on your phone in public that's the practical use of the phone but then there's something i would like to pose called the negative reinforcement way of using your phone what negative reinforcement is is a applied behavior analytical principle, which is positive reinforcement is giving a dog a treat. Negative reinforcement, okay, po- giving a dog a treat increases behavior reinforcement. Negative reinforcement increases behavior, but the negative negative comes from taking the item away, taking something away to increase behavior. Positive reinforcement, giving a dog a treat, you're adding a treat to increase behavior, right? Negative reinforcement, you're taking away pain to increase behavior, right? You're taking away social stigma from to increase behavior. What does the phone do? You pick this phone up, and everybody's looking at you, and they say, oh, he's doing something, you know? Oh, he's, he's productive right now. Oh, he's... It's awkward. The, there's pain in... That I think that people have. There's pain in 
in being fully, you know, in the environment. People don't know what to do with their hands, basically. People don't know what to do with their hands. They want to look busy. They want to get out of this awkward situation. So what do they do in an elevator? They only, some of these motherfuckers are probably looking at the black screen, you know? I would, I would, I wouldn't doubt it that people adjust the brightness. <laughs> adjust, they're adjusting the brightness up and down. They're, you know, they're they're just pressing, but they're just doing bullshit. Yeah. I think it's negative reinforcement. I think that's what a lot of people in our society are doing. They're they're afraid of the real world when they're in public because they're insecure about themselves in some way. So they're going. They use this phone as a pacifier, like a baby pacifier. I think you made a point that everybody agrees with. And everybody's guilty of myself included. Yep. I do it. Me too. I do it too. So, is there a fix for this that you know of, or are you still trying to see like how you, how it can actually be fixed? I believe there is a fix. Yeah, so I what's believe. Your thoughts on that? Because I I don't personally. I it's a I mean hard topic to grasp. But do you get it though? I get it a hundred percent. But when it yeah. comes to actually creating solutions, acting on it, I. I, oh, I mean, we can use behavioral principles to start because we're looking at it in a behavioral lens, right? We're looking at it as negative reinforcement. How do you, how do you behaviorally, how do you influence negative reinforcement or how do you block the negative reinforcement? Well, you could put something on extinction burst or you could put, sorry, you could put something on extinction, which is withholding reinforcement. Which decreases behavior. Extinction burst is like, okay, a great example of an extinction burst is when you're at a vending machine and you put your money in and you, you get the chips, right? So you walk away the next day, put your money in, get the chips, right? It's positive reinforcement. You're just getting that reinforcement chain. Now you know this, this, this machine is trustable. I always get reinforcement from this. Following day, put money in the machine and the chip goes like this. <laughs> and and it stay it sticks there, right? Yeah. So then you're like, oh my god, what the fuck? So maybe you shake it a little bit, right? You're still not getting that reinforcement. You're not getting the chips. So you start shaking it more, right? This shit's not coming out. So then you punch it, right? And then finally you give up. What that's called is an extinction burst, where the behavior, you know, progressively gets worse. But extinction was the fact that the reinforcement was withheld. So the behavior of putting the dollar in the machine decreases right it's not being reinforced anymore so the organism stops doing it so right? it's a, a negative outburst to withdrawal basically yeah and that, but that's just the learning process that's just an effect of the extinction but what happens after extinction is now you know this behavior doesn't provide reinforcement anymore why i bring that up is the behavior of looking at the phone if you put that behavior on extinction you wouldn't see the behavior of looking at the phone anymore, right? Mm. So that's the first place you'd look for a treatment option. What you find out a way is, it's called antecedent manipulation. And what antecedent manipulation is, is you're affecting the environment so the behavior doesn't have a chance to occur. What would be one way to do that? Don't bring your phone out. You won't look at your phone when you're in public if you don't have a phone, right? So that's a practical way of looking at it in a behavioral lens. Obviously, that's not practical because everybody has their phone on them. Mm -hmm. You know? So you'd have to get real complex, and you'd have to find out something that works. It would take me a while. I think, personally, 
everybody who's a social media influencer should make that shit not cool, you know? That'd be the best approach. The fastest and the best approach. Everybody that's a social media influencer, just make it, yo, it's not T Grizzle is on on Instagram Live going, yo, fuck being on it. But it's it's also redundant because he's obviously on his phone on public. But. Yeah. All right, so here's a, a good a basis. So if there's the outlier of the group, group and quotations, is they want to try to implement not using your phone in public to prevent this problem. And we've all been in situations where everybody's on their phone and you just not. And you look around and you're like, what is this? Yeah. How do you, in that situation, in a normal way, try to get everybody off their phone to engage in conversation? Because that eventually, it organically happens over time. Because you do what you do on the phone, then you're done. Everybody starts talking. But when we go out, like our friends, and we go out to dinner and stuff, we're not really on our phones. Because the people we talk to are at the table. Yeah. So the best approach then in a behavior, yeah, getting an engaging friend group. You wouldn't go, you wouldn't go on your phone if you were engaged, right? Yeah. It's also deeper than that. You some people go on their phones because of interpersonal reasons, like uh, it could be automatic reinforcement. It feels good to just look at your phone, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's the best thing I learned from being an ABA is is looking at things through a behavioral lens, looking at ways to change behavior. It's mathematical. You're adding, subtracting to increase and decrease behavior. Looking at it like that is the most practical way of viewing behavior. Not in the way of... I And I want to start doing research. I want to start publishing shit about this. I have a big critique on the psychology community that I want to go fucking famous for, dude. I want to I want to attack the whole psychology community. That's uh that's a hot take though. You got to understand hot take when it comes to a field like scientists or anything like that. Peer review is a big deal. When people hate you, you're yeah. you're you're it, people talk shit and it makes Dude, you discredited. Graham Hancock is a great example of that. He's on Joe Rogan all the time and Dude, I was watching one today, the 3-hour podcast I mentioned. Graham Hancock is getting ridiculed by a skeptic. Who just doesn't want to hear any of Graham's Hancock's alternative theories? He's got the, he proposed the lost civilization theory. But, but what is a skeptic? He's just a professional hater, right? Professional hater. Yeah. But there's a, there's it. a philosophy called skepticism. <laughs> this motherfucker's also smart as shit. He's a he's like got a PhD in in philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, professional skeptic, dude. You're just a professional like a skeptic is like I don't believe in anything. Everything, everything is proven. Everything is false till it's proven thoroughly. Okay. So a skeptic is skeptical of religion, skeptical of things that don't fit in dogmas. Now, are they a debunker where they actually provide real facts? And yeah. Value, or do they just go no? Yeah, <laughs> but they they do both. They do uh-huh. both because you know you're like, if people know you as a skeptic, if you start saying, okay, hmm, that makes sense. Oh wait, this motherfucker's not a real skeptic. He just agrees. He's just agreeing with why? Why he's why is he agreeing? Like, I didn't okay. sign up for this shit. I signed up to listen to some some dude disprove you. You know. So is this skeptic actually affecting Graham Hancock's career? Um, the fucking the dudes. You should watch it. I'll I'll um maybe we can link it in this or something. But. The skeptic, they, they have a phone a friend on this. It's like a debate. Joe Rogan hosts this debate. It was like four years ago. It has like seven million views on it. 
He hosted the debate. Is that the one where like Joe Rogan and Graham are like literally agreeing? Like, yes. what are you doing? Why are you getting so mad for it? Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, that and one. the other guy, um, fuck, what's his name? He's a geologist or archaeologist. Oh, fuck, what's his name? That's why he stopped doing debates. Graham Hancock? No, Joe Rogan. Because yeah. of that episode. Dude, it's a, it was heated, man. I listened to the whole three hours of it. It's it's great. Yeah. I When it's I used great. to live on Summit, that's when I watched it. I actually had the flu. Oh, yeah. And I was at home and I watched it. Imagine being mad when you're sick. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, what are you doing? But Graham Hancock has some very interesting points. And he wasn't he's doing got, any harm. He's he got was, a pro, pro, he's got a, yeah, he's got an interesting argument. Yeah. 